Hello world, welcome to another episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know it's the podcast that informs, challenges, and inspires. It's real talk from real people about real things. And it's the show where we listen to the guests and they really get an opportunity to speak and to share so that they can inform, challenge, and inspire us. Learn more about me at VincentTEdwards.com and you can join my online community at VincentOnDemand.com where you can get exclusive access to training video, audio, and much more. Things to help you pivot into your purpose with power and precision. want to let you know that today's show is brought to you in part by Serious Web Solutions on the web at SeriousWebSolutions.com and Serious is spelled S-I-R-I-U-S. Um, they specialize in website development, e-marketing strategies, and much more. Give them a call at 850-597-1707 and let them know that Mr. Speaker sent you. Also, men, when you're in town in Tallahassee, you got to go check out my barber who keeps me looking great at Blades Barbershop, 2202 Lake Bradford Road, Suite 8 in Tallahassee. Go by and let them know that Mr. Speaker sent you there. He keeps me all looking good. And also, you know, if you want to go green, switch to solar energy, you know, give Monique Manns a call at 850-228-1793. You know, if you're thinking about it, don't know anything about it, get a presentation and go solar. Get some solar panels, help save you in the long run. Hey, I'm a customer and I love Meraki Solutions. Have a great show for you today. We're going to learn about pain all about it, how to manage it, how to how to deal with it. From my guest today, Dr. Pergolisi, and he's going to share great insights. But you know, like we do it here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, let us have a prayer and an inspirational passage of scripture. Dear Lord, we thank you on today and we invite your presence, your spirit to be a part of this conversation, this dialogue, this informative session about pain. Lord God, open up the listening audience's ears that they can hear something that will be beneficial. Guide this conversation so that they will learn about pain, things that they can do, things that they can share with their relatives, friends, co-workers to help improve their lives. And now, Lord, I just ask a special blessing upon my guest, Dr. Pergolisi. Be with him in all that he does. Open up doors and opportunities that he couldn't even imagine because your word says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And now, God, just take control of this conversation that you will get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Passage of scripture comes from Psalm 27, verse 13, and it reads, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And with that, I want to introduce the world-renowned Dr. Pergolisi. He is a leading pain physician who combines the latest medical advances and scientific breakthroughs with a profound professional compassion for patients facing painful, life-altering conditions. He earned his BS in physical chemistry from St. John's University and an MD with the highest honors from Ross University School of Medicine. He completed his residency in anesthesia at Georgetown University School of Medicine 
Medicine and a Clinical Research Fellowship in the Department of Medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. He is currently a senior partner at Naples Anesthesia and Pain Associates Incorporated. Additionally, he works with Healthy Directions as an advisor and educator on natural solutions for pain management. And with that, Dr. Pergolisi, welcome to Mr. Speaker Speaks. Thank you very much. And, and thank you for that wonderful, gracious blessing. Amen to you and to the audience. All right. Just going to start out with a with a just a, a question here. You deal with pain and help people with pain. And then you're an uh, anesthesiologist <laughs> who keeps people from feeling pain. How, how do you merge those two together? <laughs> Outstanding question. You know, when you go back to the history of pain medicine as a profession, um, you know, it, it being taught in medical schools, it really did not catch on until probably the late 1990s. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that anesthesiologists could manage pain after surgery like painful surgeries, like knee replacements and bunionectomies. So we knew how to manage that type of pain. So a lot of those learnings came into this desire to have a pain-free type of clinical environment. And some of that then weeped over into oncology. And when you look at people, unfortunately, that suffer from cancer, 80% of the people who have a cancer diagnosis also have some type of related pain. So the anesthesiologist sort of transformed into this uh, profession or subspecialty of pain medicine. And because anesthesiologists are very focused on interventions and medicinal products, um, it seemed to be a natural transition to be able to extend that knowledge of how we take care of people's pain in a very critical um, post-operative time to how we can manage them maybe outside of the hospital. And then we started to train other specialties like rheumatologist, neurologist, psychiatrist, because we found that pain, unfortunately, is omnipresent. And it's the number one reason why people seek medical care across the globe. Everybody in their life with the exception of some individuals who have a genetic issue, are going to feel pain. And pain is meant, in a sense, from the acute standpoint, to be a good thing. If you burn your hand, you know you should stay away from that fire. Got to jump right? back. That's right. So, yeah, so that's how we that's how we evolved into a specialty. And, and pain medicine is, is relatively a young uh, specialty. I'd say probably less than 30 years old. And it, it, it's very commonly a subspecialty in anesthesia for that reason. Wow. Got a question for you when it comes to pain. What is it? And is it all in my mind? Because here's, here's the thing. A lot of people say, you know, go to the doctor. I have this pain. It's like they can't diagnose it. And say, oh, it's in your head. It's in your mind. But is it really in your mind? Where is pain? How, how do you define pain and what is it? Outstanding question, and people struggle with this all the time. You know, so pain is a, a response to some type of causative injury. So something, whether it's, 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 it's you know, hurting your arm, getting cut with a piece of glass, um, whether it's burning the hand on the stove, um, or it could be from another disease state like diabetes, 
right? Diabetes people have painful hands and feet. Shingles, that's from a virus, right? Chicken, yeah. chicken pox, right? That's that's no no jerking around situation. No, Very no joke. <laughs> that, no joke, right? So uh, so there's a lot of different reasons, a lot of mechanisms that can create pain. Very common ones are musculoskeletal and joint pain. That's very common. That could be from osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, lots of other different things which can cause joint and muscle pain. And that's a big majority of pain, but there's also headaches, right? And the reason why people say what they do, what you mentioned, it's all in your head, is because first, it's very personalized. The way you process pain and feel pain and how it affects you is different than me. And that's the first part. The second part is there's no biomarker. You know, I could tell if you're in a lot of acute pain, your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you're not breathing like you should, but there's no biomarker. What do I mean by that? If you have high cholesterol, I draw your blood and guess what? I see your cholesterol level. And then you know, you're, if it were me, my wife would say, that's it, you're done. Your diet's changing today, right? Or you go on a cholesterol-lowering agent, and that could start with, with natural products and then maybe even work to a pharmaceutical or a combination of them. With pain, we don't have that biomarker. And it's so personalized that it sort of gets lost in, in the sense, and it becomes a symptom as opposed to a diagnosis. Chronic pain specialists like myself, we believe that the body changes over time, that acute pain lasts as long as that causative agent is still there. And once that goes away, the pain should resolve. And that's why we give um, temporary types of pain relief, because we're expecting the causative reason to go away. Now, if it lasts more than four weeks, some of us call that subacute pain, meaning it's beyond that period. The healing should have taken place. And if you're doing everything that you're supposed to, you should be getting better. If you go beyond 12 weeks, we start to define that as chronic pain. That means that the causative reason is gone. And now the body is adopted and changed. It becomes more sensitive. You talk to people with chronic nerve pain, they'll tell you that just brushing their skin can be very painful. Wearing socks on a diabetic with peripheral neuropathy. People who, who experience uh, trigeminal neuralgia will tell you that when the wind blows against their face, it's painful. So the whole processing of pain changes, and this becomes a chronic state. So the short answer is it's very individualized. There are no biomarkers but it's very real and your body changes and reacts to that pain. When you talked about the wind blowing or things brushing up against you, I thought about people with fibromyalgia and I, and I thought I saw something recently that, you know, you talked about no biomarkers, but I heard this company saying that they could test for fibromyalgia. Do you know anything about that? Yes. And, and there are some companies that are coming out now with what we believe are biomarkers. But the etiology, the cause of fibromyalgia is still not 100 percent known. So by not knowing it and having different theories of how it could be manifesting itself and what's driving it, this makes it very difficult to rely on one single 
type of test, blood test or, or biopsy. Um, so until we really have that specificity, these tests are interesting. They may be directive. Um, they may help uh, the, the patient even more than the, the healthcare provider because, you know, with something like fibromyalgia, because it's a diffused pain and it's not like I can point to an inflamed joint like an osteoarthritis or lupus, or I could uh, point to an injured nerve like in diabetes, um, it, it's very difficult. So some people feel a lot of comfort when you're actually able to tell them, you know what, you have fibromyalgia. And maybe with this test I take, we'll get even closer to confirming that diagnosis. And, and that's not uncommon because people are really looking to justify why they're having this pain and other people aren't. And I go for all these MRI scans and all these different tests and no one could tell me what I have, but I know I have it. And that is the dehumanization of chronic pain. Interesting. Question. Can you feel pain in multiple places at the same time, or would you feel the one that is the greatest? Um, because I, I've often heard that, you know, if you're hurting over here and there's a greater pain somewhere else, you'll forget about the lesser pain. Is that, is that true? How does that work? Yes. You, you know, cause your, your, your body's just trying to deal with lots of impulses at the same time. And so that can happen. Look, how do we see that? It's not uncommon that we will hear our very, you know, valor service persons in the military might be in active combat and get shot, but still continue to function. Think about that. You just got shot by a machine gun or something, and you're still, you're able to sort of overcome the pain. But then when you actually take a breather and you go, oh my gosh, I'm in a lot of pain. Um, and you may have been been injured in the leg, uh, but also hurt your ankle and your hand doesn't feel as well, you can start to prioritize the type of pains you have. Now, certain pains may um, have more of a persistent character. And, and that's really important. When you start to define your pain, you want to think about rating it. And that's why a lot of times we hear a scale. What's your pain on a one to 10 or a one to five? I'm sure people have asked you that before. Oh, definitely. Right? 10 is the worst pain ever. And zero is no pain at all. It's funny because when my patients who I love will come into the office and they'll see me and they haven't seen me for maybe two or three months and they'll jump out of the chair and they'll hug me and then they'll sit down and I'll say, how's your pain? They'll say a 10. <laughs> Wait, you just jumped out. of the What's a 12 look like? Right? <laughs> So again, it just shows you that you're able sometimes to transcend that. Um, so when we also think about pain, we want to think about the time aspect. I mentioned acute, zero to four weeks, subacute, four weeks to 12 weeks, chronic, 12 weeks also. You want to think about the timing and pattern of that pain. Is it persistent? Is it intermittent? You want to think about some quality descriptors. I say all this because my best patients are the ones who come in and just give it to me all. My pain is shooting. It's like electric cord or my pain burning. Some will say my pain is dull and aching in my hip, but sometimes I get a shooting pain down my leg. The more I know, the more I'm able to characterize. My pain keeps me up at night. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing I could tell you is that unfortunately, 
anxiety and depression are heavily comorbidly associated with pain, right? How um, so? Well, you know, think about it. All of a sudden, it's affecting your functionality. You're a young, strong person like yourself. You're playing some pickup basketball. You hurt your back. You hurt it so much you don't want to even move. You may take some medicine or do some stretching. And now for some crazy reason, you're the person that doesn't go away in 12 weeks later. Why me? I'm depressed. I can't play basketball anymore. I can't even sit on the, in my, my, my beautiful car. Uh, I, I can't sit on the couch with my, with my loved one. I can't pick up my grandchildren in my case. These are all things that, that become uh, additive um, psychological uh, stressors. Or you become very anxious, right? Oh, my gosh. You know, what if I do that again? Right. Some people even are afraid to move after they've had bad injuries. Kinesiophobic, meaning afraid to actually move. So all of these things fit in. And that's why it, it's important to realize that you're a whole person. Right. When you get injured, you have to own the injury. You have to be serious about it. Right. It doesn't mean you have to run to a physician, a doctor, but but take it serious. And then you want to think about your nutrition, your hydration. You want to think about your spirituality when it comes to all of these elements, because you yourself have to come back to that, that, that whole human being. And pain can very much uh, change that characteristic in a person. Most definitely. Pain is something else. And now that we have an idea about it, what can I do to manage it. You know, I'm just going to have fun. Take two aspirin and call me in the morning. You know, when we look at, <laughs> you know, we I think love about that. That. you're great. <laughs> so when it comes to pain management, you know, we think about the athletes, they go down, but they're getting yep. paid big money. You know, and I, I'm talking about football and college right. football is right around the corner. You know, they raise that little tent, they go in the tent and, you know, five minutes later, they come out and it's like, okay, I'm good. You know, so, what are the things that you can do to help manage pain? We think of pills, we think of injections, we think of creams. Do they really work? How do they work? And what's the best thing for pain management? Well, they, this is a really wonderful question. I'm so happy to get the chance to answer it. I like to think that there are 50 shades of pain, right? That's catchy. Ooh. Right, yeah. catchy, right? <laughs> so why? Because, again, not only is it very personalized, but then there are different qualities to the pain. And different pains we have to be concerned about. So I like to categorize them as red flags or yellow flags. What's a reason that's going to make you or you should go to the doctor? Sounds right? like let's doctor. say, <laughs> right. What, let's say this. Let's say you've been having some stiff neck pain. It's really bad and it's only getting worse. And you have a fever associated with it or redness around the spot. You're better off going to see a clinician. Go to the emergency room. Right now. A little different may be that you were in the garage and, you know, you lifted up the bike to put it on the bike rack and, oh, wow, I twisted my back. You know, here, stretching exercises, heat and ice, they're very good, right, to use. Um, you can think about maybe massage therapy. Who doesn't like a massage? Right. Yes, There's a lot of different massages. And if I could, I'd write a prescription for every one of my patients, including <laughs> myself, to have a daily massage. Um, the insurance will pay for it. <laughs> hopefully insurance will pay for it. But that's examples of non-pharmacological strategies. They may include they may include things like 
uh, turmeric or coumarin, um, uh, ginger. These have also been looked at. So what you eat also can have impact on your pain levels. Some people would suggest too much sugar or artificial sugars, uh, sweeteners can cause more pain. Now, when we start to think about reaching out and getting a consumer health product, um, we did a recent survey of pain doctors at the largest pain conference in the United States, largest attended conference, Pain Week in Las Vegas. And what did we find there? That that almost 100% of the pain specialist would start with a topical pain reliever for muscle and joint pain because it works right where the pain is. It works relatively quick when it's absorbed into the skin or the muscle or joint. And you can redose more often than, let's say, an oral over-the-counter medication uh, that you may have to take every eight hours or every six hours. You usually could put the cream on as much as you need to. And at the same time, it doesn't, it's, it's not meant to be absorbed into the body, so it doesn't react with other drugs. A lot of people are on other drugs. I mentioned cholesterol-lowering agents, medications for the heart, uh, asthma. So this allows you just to really focus on the pain. I created a, a product that is available at Healthy Directions. They partnered with me on this. It's called Instaflex. And Instaflex is an oxygenated oil with a low-dose menthol. So you're getting that menthol that's giving you the pain relief, and the oxygenated oil is a nice thing to have as well. And, and Instaflex is available as an over-the-counter product. It's been tested in clinical trials. After you get beyond topicals, then it's really how can you get the medication into the patient? And now we have a lot of different ways. Usually consumer health products are by mouth. But there are some that you can inhale through your nose. If it's a prescription, put under your tongue. You could wear a patch. You can combine those with all of the other stuff I mentioned, massage, physical therapy. And then for the more serious one, uh, pain that is more chronic, we can do interventions. We can do injections. Um, we could do uh, nerve blocks, things to this effect. And so we use a combination of these, and the term that we have developed is called a multimodal, different types of modes of pain relief. And that's how we treat pain nowadays. And that can be accomplished as a consumer at home by yourself, stretching with a pain cream and some ice and heat, let's say. So ultimately, so dealing with chronic pain, you know, you may have it for the rest of your life. And so that really becomes a concept of, true pain management, putting together some, some regimen that helps to alleviate that pain. And any thoughts on that, how someone can deal with chronic pain, for example, um, lupus and joint pain? Sure. You know, the first thing is that you really need to sit down with someone on the other side of the table and have a very open conversation. It's a two-way conversation. What, am, what should I expect? How is this going to impact my life? How can you help me get out of this hell? What can you do for me? And, and those are the things that a lot of times patients um, don't say right away. And I wish more of them did because they're the patient and the consumer. And they need to be asking those questions. They need to get the expectations set. If you have chronic pain and you come to see me, more than likely, unfortunately, I'm not going to take you 100% out of your pain. 
If I tell you that up front, at least we're on the right level playing field. Now we can talk about things like, all right, what does it mean? What are the things I can help you regain? You want more functionality. You want to be able to open up your pill medicine yourself. Um, you want to be able to lift your, your grandchildren. You want to be able to go back and ride your motorcycle again. These are some of the things that I need to be able to know. You may be working and you want to be able to, you're, and you're a woman and you want to be able to wear high heels. You know, if you have back pain, it's hard to wear high heels. For my, my patients will tell you, I, I, I tried it. I, I have lots of female patients and I, I, one brought me a pair of shoes and says, this is so hard for me to walk and my back pain is even worse. I put my feet in the shoes. They were tight like Cinderella, but I could see, you know, I couldn't balance myself all that well, but I could see how, it, how that could manifest even worse. And think about it. You want to dress up for your daughter's wedding and you can't wear the fancy shoes that you'd like to. Mm. So these are the things by understanding how we can improve functionality by setting realistic expectations that even though you've come to me and, and you know how much I want to help you, there's only so much we can do. And then um, really focusing on understanding when we have to step up the game, right? Because we don't want a chronic pain patient to have a spiraling down effect. So we really need to think about that whole entire person. Can spiritual um, intervention help, you know, speaking to your 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 priest, your pastor, your rabbi, your mula, a support group. Get get people to understand what you're going through, and and then measure and gauge how you can improve your quality of life, activities of daily living, and functionality. Those things are extremely important. I mean, well, you said it. I love it. You know, you said you. I think you said pivot to your. Give it uh, to your purpose with power and precision. Wow, do I love that. I'm taking that to the bank. You just wait. My students are going to hear that. Pivot to your purpose with power and precision. It's so true, right? That assertiveness. You need to have that when you have pain, especially chronic pain. You need to know what the out is. The out. That is so true. When it comes to pain and, you know, heat, Versus ice. Is there a proper time for each heat now, ice now, combination of the two? When is it best to use each for dealing with pain? Great question. So when we put heat on an area, if the area is inflamed and uh, already you know, your joints inflamed, I don't usually suggest heat. I'll suggest ice. <clears throat> One reason I say ice is because what is ice doing? It's decreasing the circulation to that area, right? It's trying to cool it down. It's trying to relieve, relieve that inflammation. Now, heat, what heat does is just the opposite. Heat or rubbing an area increases the circulation. It releases your natural painkillers that your body has. They don't last all that long, but it releases those. It increases blood flow that sort of sweeps out all those negative free radicals and breakdown products like lactic acid when you have cramping, mm. right? So heat and ice um, can be alternated, hot, then cold, hot, then cold, or it could be used individually. Another thing I'll tell you is that um, we now have medical devices like uh, the Solus device, a dithermy device mm. that uses magnets to generate heat 
underneath your skin. So your skin doesn't get warm, but where the muscle and joint is, it's aligning the molecules and it's allowing heat to be generated, which is found to be very uh, soothing and pain relieving to certain patients. That sounds interesting. Pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty cool. Wow. I live in sunny uh, Florida, not South Florida anymore. I'm from (laughs) Fort Lauderdale. I live in Northern Florida in Tallahassee, but it gets hot here and not only hot as in sometimes triple digits, but the humidity is above 90, 95%. Talk to us a little bit about the role heat plays when it comes to pain. Well, extreme temperatures have always been looked at anecdotally as triggers for pain. If it's very cold, my my joints hurt me. If it's very hot, I get headaches or my muscles hurt me. So let's look at that. There is no definitive scientific explanation. Maybe some, again, directional information for patients who have certain disorders like multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis patients, when the heat goes up, there seems to be issues with the transmission of nerve impulses, so they can have pain, they can have loss of vision. And we're sort of mapping that out with functional MRIs. But when we actually look at things that are very popular, like arthritis, you mentioned fibromyalgia, migraine headaches, all of these have been indicated to get worse when the heat index goes up. So what's the heat index? It's exactly what you said. It's not just the temperature, but it's the humidity. When we combine humidity and temperature, we get a heat index. That compounds the actual feeling of of temperature uh, exponentially, right? So it's even worse. So you can have really high humidity, and if it's cool out, eh, okay, you can have, for example, snow, right? A high humidity, raining, you snow. You can have you can have um, a very high temperature and low limit humidity. Uh, you know, you may see more of that like in Arizona. But for the most part, this scorching heat, which is crushing Europe, crushing south, the, the southern part of the United States and even the northern states right now. This heat wave that we're having is expected to continue uh, throughout the summer. And, you know, the the effects of this heat index can cause more muscle and joint pain and arthritis. It can trigger migraine headaches. Um, And with fibromyalgia, just overall body, what we call polymyalgia type of pain, all your different joints are, are hurting. So what can we do? Right. It would be remiss for me not to give some ideas that we can do that that don't necessarily require you to go to the doctor. The first is to always choose shade over sun. Move to a cold place. Right. That makes a lot of sense. The next thing to think about is how we can um, stay hydrated. You know, when you're dehydrated, you have breakdown, metabolic um, uh, processes in your muscles, lactic acidosis, all that can cause cramping, increased joint pain, muscle aches, right? So we want to stay well hydrated. What does that mean too? Even though in the summer, it's great to have some wine and beer, you want to limit your alcohol and caffeine, right? I like both, right? Um, But you have to try to limit them. The, the next I can suggest is wearable clothings, you know, breathable clothings, get the air moving in them. 
take a, a, a bottle of water or a portable fan with you. They have these really cool uh, handheld fans I see that connect on people's iPhones. That's a great idea. And then finally, with your sunscreen, you may want to apply your pain medication first. So your pain medication, let it absorb in, you know, uh, example, Instaflex absorbs very, very quickly. And then before you go out, don't forget your sunscreen. I know you know that from living in Fort Lauderdale and also in Tallahassee um, and, and go Seminoles. <laughs> Got <laughs> to get that plug in. Got a lot of students up there. All right. I'm sure my listening audience who are Seminole fans will love that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> now, hydration. Can you give us a little insight? Okay, we always hear about water and drinking water, but I also heard something about, you know, you could drink a lot of water, but are you really replacing what they call electrolytes? Does right. that make a difference? And is there something out there that can help when you're hydrating with electrolytes? Wonderful question. So that other football school up north, um, the famous Gatorade, <laughs> the University of Florida. You, we may have heard it. it's a small little school in Gainesville. Well, that's um, where I first went to college. Those guys uh, did do a great uh, thing when they created an electrolyte balanced uh, type of uh, replacement drink. So that's an ideal one. Pedialyte for adults and children is another one. Um, a lot of people uh, will make their own concoctions of different types of drinks. But you're absolutely right. It's more than what's just in the water. You need the water to stay hydrated, keep you from fainting, let you cool down internally, right? You want to cool down that internal thermometer as well. But replacing the electrolytes is very important, particularly when it comes to potassium and calcium. You sometimes may wake up in the night um, and your, your foot is, is cramped. Right, Ooh, that's a hurt. Yeah, yeah. What the problem was that about? Could be dehydration, maybe a little low potassium, maybe a little low calcium. So you do want to think about proper rehydration. Sometimes, if you drink way too much water, and this usually is for older patients or very very young people, you can even get water toxicity. So we don't want to go overboard. We want to do enough. And having those electrolyte balance type products gets you a lot further than just the standard water, at least in my opinion. Talk about what is water toxicity? What does. Oh, that's yeah. So you actually um, for some people that uh, drink way too much water or maybe on uh, some water pills like blood pressure lowering pills, they're losing certain electrolytes like sodium or potassium. And now you get very thirsty because you're urinating a lot and you drink more and more water. So now you're even you're diluting those levels of electrolytes even more. And that could be problematic. Wow. Again, older patients. And these are all things that you think about um, in the summertime in these very hot temperatures, because you'll see it may start with a cramp in the leg. And you go, well, you know, my, my thighs are cramping. I never really had that. I just started this water pill. What's going on? Again, could be dehydration, could be electrolyte imbalances. Talk to us a little bit about what they can find when they go to your website. Dr. Great. Well, thank you. You know, my website is really designed to give some more information. It talks about the whole person. Um, and that includes uh, dietary supplements, how we can bring you back online. And you could find that at www.drpergolisi.com. Um, P-E-R-G-O 
L-I-Z-Z-I.com. DrPerdelisi.com or HealthyDirections.com. You could also look up one of our topical products, which is called Instaflex, I-N-S-T-A-F-L-E-X. And this comes in different preparations, a nice roll-on, a spray, and a cream. And it's really focused for that muscle skeletal type-like pain, combining low-dose menthol with oxygenated oil. So you get that um, that nice balance of a natural product as well. Wow. This has been truly an informative show, dealing with pain, staying uh, in, the, in the shade over the sun, learning to move to a cooler place, thinking about the whole person, how, how pain uh, can be affected by many aspects of our life, um, multi modes of dealing with pain, wearing breathable clothing, oh, adding pain cream to your sun, to your sunscreen. I mean, this has really, truly been informative and especially about the Instaflex. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to have to try that um, a little Thank bit, you. put it on, on, my, on my joints and deal with that. When it comes to pain, is there anything else you would like to share with our listening audience on today? And how can they get in touch with you if they want uh, to work with you regarding their pain? Well, the one nice thing is that I'm blessed. I'm truly blessed by having a standing network of of physicians that I've either trained with or trained uh, around the globe. I want people to know that there there is a way to deal with your pain. And part of it is you becoming educated, you being the demanding consumer, setting the right expectations, making your healthcare provider perform to those expectations. You want increased functionality? Let's understand how much you really can get back. You want to have a better quality of life? Let's define what's stopping you from that and seeing if we can do that. And let's have this this multidisciplinary approach. And hopefully when you do that and you have that nice conduit of information exchange, do ask, do tell, with your healthcare provider, um, then you're going to um, be able to, uh, as you as you so eloquently put, uh, get positioned uh, right in the right way. So I think that's, purpose. <laughs> that's right, position to your purpose, and that's so true. And and that's why you know I think we're we're, we're blessed that the two of you and I got to talk together um, because I I think it's that type of conversation, it's that type of enthusiasm that we need to get to pain patients because you know being in pain is a miserable thing, and and then how it affects you and the people that love you. Right. You're miserable when you're in really bad pain um, and the people around you get affected. So we have to work together. Most definitely work together as a team to overcome this pain, the whole concept of pain management. Dr. Pergolisi, it has truly been a pleasure. I've learned so much today. I want to thank you so very much for being a great guest on today's show. Final question as we get ready to head for break. You've done so much in your life. You continue to help people. What matters most to you, Dr. Pergolisi? Yeah, well, I think what matters most to me is is faith and family. And and then really my mantra is to try to bring uh, positive energy to the universe and opportunity to those um, that I can. And so what th- those are the things that really matter most to me. Well, thank you so very much. My listening audience, please. Go to his website, drpergolisi.com. Find out more and how you can deal with pain. Truly been a pleasure. You've been listening 
to Mr. Speaker Speaks, the show that informs, challenges, and inspires real talk from real people about real things. And remember this, you know, life is all about purpose. And the question is, do you know yours? Remember, and all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. See you next time.